and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. Hey Lucy, guess what? What? I have finally made it on social media. Oh my goodness, have hey? you? Well done. Well done, that man. Lucy, we know your profile's so uh, top-notch that anything you put out there gets spread around the globe, left, right and centre. But um, finally, I've had something that has has spread through the social network the the, the 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 running through the the arteries of uh, Twitter the, the world of Twitter that's it yes Lovely. I put out um, I put out a tweet on my uh, Swiss cheese plant which I thought was going to be quite just a, a run of the mill boring tweet and it seems to have caught people's imaginations which is quite nice well do you know what I have to say if you haven't seen uh, Saul's Monstera Deliciosa then I would suggest that you have a look because it is a it's a stunner oh, thank you. So now I went, when I came to, to see you back in the days when we could come and see people um, I saw that in your lounge and I thought it was absolutely beautiful I've, I've always had a soft spot when I was a teenager I had my, my whole bedroom was full of houseplants absolutely loved them and I did have a Swiss cheese plant and um, it was it was literally nothing compared to your beautiful beautiful specimens. So yeah, I could say if you if you can uh, get onto Twitter and, and want to see a lovely Swiss cheese plant, then Saws is the one. To look. <laughs> there is a nice one at Kew as well. I'm never going to beat Kew's Palm House for uh, for one, but you know that's just how it is. And I must say, Twitter's been a, a bit of a lifeline for me. I've been on my own now. Are we into five weeks? I can't even tell how long this thing's been We are going into on the fifth for. week. We yeah, are into five, five weeks. weeks yes. And um, yeah. although I come home and I obviously see my partner and all that kind of stuff, so I get a bit of um, social interaction, Twitter's been a lifeline to keep in touch with a lot of my gardening friends and uh, just to see what's been going on, just to see other people's gardens because it's a, it's a strange time, not every weekend getting in the car and going to the deepest parts of Devon just to visit other gardens. So... Um, yeah, I, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really appreciating uh, Twitter now. Yeah, yeah, it's nice when people reach out to you, isn't it? I think if any conversation you can have on Twitter these days is, like you say, it's, it seems very precious. And um, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been putting a few tweets out to people that I know. Uh, like specific aspects of what I've been doing, like seedlings, for example, swathes of seedlings seem to be really popular on uh, Twitter just to show that sign of promise and that things are carrying on in inverted commas as normal as much as they possibly can. And um, yeah, I think it's a really valuable medium more than ever before. So yeah, yeah, let's keep on tweeting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, get in contact with me, me and Lucy. We love to chat to new people. Um, so yeah, please do. Um, and how's the garden been this uh, this week? It's been another well, it's been another beautiful week, hasn't it? In spring, I know, I know. Um, so the my my garden at home, I've never been on top of so much before. Mm. It's um, really I'm really enjoying it this year so so much. Um, not least because we've got the greenhouse, which is allowing me to tap into a completely new avenue of propagation, which I've only ever been able to do in 
the garden where I work or at my parents before, but to have a greenhouse in my own garden is just delicious. Can't tell you how much I'm loving that. And then the um, the hall gardens as well. Um, the bluebell wood now is looking absolutely stunning. And I do need to get a video of that put up because it's just so tranquil and peaceful and gorgeous um the we've, i've been doing a lot of watering this week i realized looking at the prolonged weather forecast for the next few weeks or so um this dry spell i mean we, we drew due a little bit of rain maybe in the next few days but not i don't think very much looking what we tend to do with the weather, weather forecast is look at various different regions locally to us and if the rain clouds look like they're hanging around all of them I think, well, yeah, there's a good chance it's going to rain. But if, for example, at Walton, which is very near to me, then, um, but on the coast, if it's not raining there, but it's due to rain in Colchester, I think, well, do you know what? I don't know that it's actually going to materialise. So I've been irrigating quite a lot in the garden because I, I do feel like we're due one of those springs, which is very long, um, dry spell. And then we might have the summer that crumbles down and has thunderstorms, which is what sometimes does happen. Yeah, it? no April showers uh, so far. Well, having said that, we were very lucky in the West Country last Friday in that we did have actually a substantial amount of rain. Oh, shut up. But the one thing that... <laughs> <laughs> I will send some your way, uh, probably in a little bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'd be grateful of that. Um, but the one thing it has um, that I had noticed this week at uh, Stonelands, due to that little bit of moisture getting into the ground, is that the the weed growth, the exponential uh, growth of weeds has occurred. Uh. Um, and it generally does happen around this time of year with the temperatures slightly rising. And generally there is a bit more moisture than there has been. Uh, the weeds take off. And I think weeds are one of those things that keeps us gardeners probably in business. Yeah, they do. Because, <laughs> yeah, they they uh, get everywhere. Um, and uh, they're the one thing that I think we have to manage quite a, a, a lot so I thought we'd have a little chat about how we go around managing our weeds yeah. uh, at both our properties mm. and just discussing what our attitude to uh, to weeds are because the first thing I will say is that the uh, a weed and the old adage is it's a plant uh, in a wrong place so the term weeds so it's very subjective because a lot of people are now um, venturing into that sort of wildflower. Uh, you know, mm. people are, are the wildflowers, meadows, uh, a bit more of a naturalistic look to their gardens yeah. is more in the psyche these days. Um, yeah. And obviously a lot of those uh, plants were considered weeds maybe 10, mm. 20 years ago. And the, the old attitude, and I remember from my granddad's generation, is that any weeds have to be eradicated from uh, from from the garden. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were they were an unwanted menace. Yes, yeah, which is like you say is the. I'm glad that that opinions are gradually changing. I think this term that's been recently applied, which is rewilding of areas, that's um, allow people to go. Do you know what? I quite like this swathe of whatever it's going to be, rosemary, willow, herb or whatever. And I'm going to just let it go. I'm just going to let it do what it's do what it wants. For example, I mean, we've got, we've got, we've got, we definitely have still got an existence at East Dunnellan Hall. We've got two, the, the two schools of thought are running parallel with each other. There's certain areas where we allow things to run wild. And then there's other areas where we absolutely don't. We have to have uh, order and regimen. And that's, for example, in the kitchen garden, I don't want that weedy myself because I'm trying to grow crops, which 
sometimes don't compete with the weeds themselves and you like leeks and all the other alliums we have to hoe there but then we've got other areas which i and the the i do have this kind of like little uh regular battle with the owners because they want areas cleared and i say look no because at the moment that what that plant is doing and i'm for example here i'm thinking of we've got um quite a lot of ivy growing as crown cover at the hall we've got some in under the cedar bed some in the bog garden there's a beautiful weeping pear uh, near the herbaceous borders that underneath that is just full of ivy and it does such a good job of keeping down other weeds it's literally it's very good ground cover it's 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 good cover for wildlife it's you know if you allow the ivy to flower you've got all sorts of wildlife that appreciate that various like the holly blue butterfly all sorts of stuff it's a very good um late nectar source for bees and wasps and all, all sorts of things so it's you know ivy in that sense can be very beneficial so as i say we've got some areas where i actually i do insist say no we're not gonna unless you can find a plant for me and we order that plant that is going to be a, a good um, replacement ground cover. I'm not taking that ivy up for the moment because it just makes work for myself. We we do have we we've we've renovated quite a lot of the areas at the hall and we are generating quite a lot of bare earth. And I'm like I I don't want to keep doing that because it makes work for us. It's, you know if you get bare soil, weed seeds come in and 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 that's it. So. So yeah, so that, that's that's my ethos. What about you? Well, nature abhors abhors a vacuum, doesn't it? So um, at the end of the day, that's what the uh, that's what weeds are going to fill that uh, that empty space, and it, it's very similar to uh, to Stonelands in that we have a lot of wild garlic. I know we were chatting about this earlier. Mm. In, uh, in the week with a few people uh, some people want to remove wild garlic some people want to use it culinary mm. in fact at Stonelands we embrace our wild garlic yes it is it is quite invasive and it will cover an area but in some ways very similar to your ivy that's exactly what we want it to do yeah. it is a really good looking plant when it's flowering uh, it covers the area in lovely white flowers but one thing I have noticed is it does keep down the rest of the weeds mm-hmm. um, even things like bramble and quite tough weeds uh, even ivy actually it will suppress it quite a lot yeah. because it's a very dense sward of plants so uh, seedlings and things getting into it's very difficult so in some ways one of the ways to uh, to keep your weed population down is to choose one weed or two weeds and actually allow them to do their thing and incorporate them into your already existing um, uh, garden uh, design. Um, This is a lot easier for when it's a more naturalistic garden or something like a woodland uh, beds or something like that, where actually that um, aesthetic fits in with with the garden. And I think lots of people want to embrace that more naturalistic look. The one thing I will say is that these plants have a a season and what you've got to do is get used to their life cycles. So with my wild garlic, for instance, although it looks really good now, I know that coming towards the end of May it will start um, seeding around. That I do want to avoid because it will actually spread into areas where I probably don't want the wild garlic, i.e. the the main uh, paths or into some of the beds. So what I try to do is trim it 
just before it goes into that seeding phase and therefore I avoid it spreading too much. Yeah, I know that. Do you know what? I do exactly the same. As you mentioned that, I have a green alkali at home. So not at the hall, but this is at home, which is um, Pentaglottis sempervirens for the botanists out there. It's like a, a forget-me-not style plant, but it's a thug. It's like a, It's got like the, the growth habit of comfrey or something like that, but it's got be- very delicate flowers, which look lovely, but it self-seeds like crazy. The roots are massive big thong star roots that go deep down into the soil and i do the same as you i let i let it flower and then once it's flowered before the seeds set um i will take those flower heads off i will cut it back so i manage i i, I love the what it's looking like at the moment but i will intervene and manage it so it's it keeps a we've got the cow parsley flowering i've got bluebells and i've got the alkanet and i've got dead nettle down the bottom of my garden it looks really gorgeous as a combination but the alkanet if i didn't step in there and stop itself seeding it would take over so yeah that's i think that's a good way to approach these sorts of plants isn't it they've got huge roots those alkanets haven't they so when they actually get their Mm. roots into the soil it can be a good foot long thick root it's actually really hard to remove manually in some ways they're beasts they are beasts so what other weeds do you i mean as i say for me I've got things like the rose uh, borders and the specifically the kitchen garden that I do try to keep weed free. And the way, because I'm cultivating the kitchen garden quite regularly, I don't tend to have perennial weeds in there so much now. It's more annual seedlings. And literally, I do I do just wait for a day when it's sunny and there's a slight breeze and I hoe and that's it. That's all I do. I, I, I try to do it before... The weeds have got any size whatsoever. I'm often you, you'll find that we are hoeing, and you think actually I can't really see many weeds. But what's going on under the surface is that these weed seeds are germinating, and they're just starting to poke through. And so I think regularly hoeing is a very very straightforward and simple way of controlling annual weeds. It's 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 once the annual weeds have started to self seed, like things like the bittercress and the shepherd's purse and the groundsel. Once they self seed, that's when you're into in for trouble. So I do make it a priority. If I, if I'm walking around the garden and I see, for example, a groundsel just about to start to flower, I whip in there and I, whatever I'm doing, I just stop and I jump in there and I, I pull it out and, and 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 I will put it normally on the bonfire. I let it dry out and then set fire to it and off we go. But we do have. Um, bindweed as well in the garden which i find an utter swine it's we have ground elder but we i found that i actually can dig ground elder out but what are your thoughts because i know we've had discussions before about bindweed and uh, we have do we have the same approach to controlling it or i think i think we have a similarish uh, approach firstly i must say when i first encountered bindweed at stonelands i did try and dig it as much as i can and that's generally the advice is that you must get rid of the roots uh, if if people don't know what bindweed is and i'll be surprised if you don't because <laughs> it is a it is a pig of a weed uh, you have to remove all those white root like they're like little s- string or if it gets really mature it turns into a rope <laughs> almost uh, of root um, because even from a small section it will regrow uh, so it's very pernicious um, we've just well at Stonelands and I'm sure it's actually very similar at East Donland the, the bindweed has just got out of control and especially when it gets into plants that's the worst bit is when it starts spreading around plants that already uh, you want to keep mm. and you really can't dig uh up 
sections of ground with all these herbaceous in without ruining the display. And I think that's where we we um, both start using uh, chemicals. Uh, I specifically I use glyphosate. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're similar. Yeah, I do. I do as well. Yeah. I know that the, the 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 subject of using weed killers is getting more controversial. Um, uh, especially in the amateur market, uh, both for health reasons and also for environmental reasons. But it's still a tool that we use uh, in gardening. And and the key with all tools, it's the same whether it's a, a mower or it's a, uh, any other bit of dangerous equipment that we've got, uh, you have to use this stuff carefully uh, with consideration um, be very specific in its application and um, we you also have to be trained you know um the, one of the difference between the amateur market and the professional market is that we have to go and get trained so there's something called the pa1 pa6 um mm. chemical um uh, training on uh, chemical spraying and, and use of chemicals and that gives you very specific instructions on how to use these things uh, including proper ppe um uh, timing of application um uh, climate control all that kind of thing and that makes sure that we are using it very considerately so i think um there can be some misconceptions that we might be just sploshing it around here left, right and centre whenever we need to use it. But we're actually very, very yeah. specific. And the bindweed is a great example of where we're very specific because we are generally just using it to target the bindweed plants. Now, I know we have two separate methods, Jimmy. I, I like to use this. Um, uh, you can get glyphosate in many forms, but there's a gel form which you can paint the leaves so I like to let the uh, bindweed grow, say, about uh, uh, half a foot to a foot, and then I will paint each individual leaves. It's still a pain, just as much of a pain as digging it up because you've got to get each leaf. But eventually, uh, the chemical will be sucked into the root and hopefully it will kill up most of the plant. As with all methods, it's not foolproof. So one of the things you have to consider when you all weed control is that you have to keep on top of it. You have to keep doing it at regular intervals to have any effect. You can't just do it once and then expect the whole problem to be to go can you t- can you tell the owner of the hall that please saw because <laughs> he's convinced that with the bind i mean we sorry to interrupt but That's just right. to, to, to sort of feel your pain there like you say it it isn't something that can be controlled in one application i think that's with a lot of these aggressive pernicious perennial deep-rooted weeds that the their success lies in the fact that they do have an aggressive deep root system that you can't access and so um and if you're using systemic herbicides such as glyphosate which then are applied to the foliage travel back down into the root system they only travel back down so far the chemical only has so much potency and then those root fragments that are remaining will damn the blooming things they will come back again and this is why i think um, you know, with amateur gardens, we when we're on the the gardeners' world help desk, we're always getting asked about things like you know Japanese knotweed, bindweed, um, say ground elder, brambles, all these uh, really really annoying perennial weeds. Don't lose heart if you are of the mindset that you are happy to use herbicides. The way I apply them at the hall is I allow the bindweed to grow quite considerably. I put bamboo canes in the herbaceous borders actually twine the the bindweed up the bamboo canes. Yes, it's a real faff, but I get it done. And then you have a large surface area of bindweed leaves. And the more surface area of weeds you have, the more chemical you get into the plant and the more it then travels back down to kill that root system off. So that's that's my 
approach to it. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, it just comes down to regular applications. And I'll probably do it, I don't know how, you, uh, you probably do it a little less during the year because I get it quite early. I do get some regrowth halfway through the year. So I'll just hit it again. I, w- I wait till June, something like that. Yeah, and so... I, you just keep going at it and eventually you'll get on top of the problem and to be honest it's like all weeds um you know you can weed a border once completely and think it's completely free of weed come back uh two or three weeks later and all of these these annuals have germinated again so like you were saying with your hoeing technique or if like me i'm a hand weeder especially now i've got my brand new J- japanese weeding knife which i'm absolutely in love with it's just regular going through the borders and just making sure you keep on top of the weeds. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture that have been drastically affected, and we hope that life will return and, like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries, and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.